If you want to take your Bibles out, please, and you can turn in your Bible or in your device to Genesis chapter 1. You may be familiar with a movie that came out last year called The Battle of the Sexes. It's the story of the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King, 29 years old, and Bobby Riggs, 55 years old. It was the most watched televised sports event in all of history. And by the way, Billie Jean King won in three straight sets. But the title, Battle of the Sexes, epitomizes a demonic strategy of conflict that exists between men and women. And worse, it exposes the demonic lie that somehow men are more superior to women. And worse yet, a core belief that women exist for the pleasure and possession and selfish interests of men. Many cultures in the world, women are second-class citizens. Baby girls are discarded or aborted as worthless. In some places in Asia, every little girl in their village has been sold into the sex trade. And that's not just an Asian problem. In 2013, the Canadian Women Foundation reported there were 400 girls or youth right here in Manitoba in the sex trade. And the average age was 13 to 14 years old. The youngest was 8 years old. Women for eons have been used and exploited for sex. The porn industry is one disgusting example of this. Oh yeah, we've made some strides in the West for equal opportunities, but the recent hashtag MeToo movement has revealed that under our Western veneer, there is still a pandemic of sexual harassment and assault on women. Why is that? I think the Bible gives us an indication in Genesis 3, verse 15, where it says, The woman's seed shall crush the head of the serpent. And I think Satan's hostility and hatred towards women is because it's the woman's seed that produced the Messiah. And men are supposed to be the co-laborers and protectors, and we're often the worst perpetrators. But one man changed everything. Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, set us free from sin and from the power of Satan. He delivered us from evil, and Jesus restores dignity and destiny to all females, and he brings us back to God's original plan and purpose for women. Did you know that wherever the gospel goes and takes root, the condition of women improves? And that is because the God places such a high, high value on females. We're in a series called Go with the Gospel. And this morning, I want to talk about how the good news of God values women. 
And I want to start by giving you a Bible tour of female heroes. The first one, the very first one in the Old Testament is Eve, right in Genesis 2. And Eve gets a bad rap. Eve is blamed for the sin condition that comes into the world. But her husband Adam was standing right there passively watching her. And in fact, when God comes to bring an account to them, he brings it to Adam. He says, Adam, where are you and what have you done? Next, we see Sarah, who had such faith in God, she had a baby at the age of 90. Hagar was the very first person to ever name God. And she called Yahweh the God who sees. Then there's Rebecca and Rachel and Leah who gave birth to the 12 tribes of Israel. Tamar, who was more righteous than Judah. Shifra and Puah, who were the Hebrew midwives who defied Pharaoh and would not kill those Hebrew baby boys as they were born. There's Rahab, the harlot from Jericho, who feared Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, and hid their spies and saved her whole family. Deborah, who was a leader and judge in Israel and defeated the Canaanites. And how about Jael? Anybody remember Jael from Judges chapter 5? The lady who took a hammer and a tent peg and pounded it through the head of the commander of the Canaanite army, Sisera? How about Ruth, a Moabite, but the great-grandmother of King David himself? Naomi, Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel, Abigail, who saved her household, and David from shedding blood, Naaman's little servant girl, who told her master there was a prophet in Israel who could cleanse his leprosy. How about Esther, who stopped the Holocaust? Ab or, uh, uh, and then there's these nameless women in the Old Testament. Mrs. Noah. Think of what she had to put up with. And Manoah's wife, Samson's mother. Twice an angel appeared to her. And then we come to the New Testament. And right at the beginning of the New Testament, we have Matthew chapter 1. The genealogy of Jesus. All these great men who were in Jesus' genealogy. And right in the middle of it are four women. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Then there's Mary of Nazareth, Jesus' mom. Anna the prophetess, who, who stayed in the temple for decade after decade, fasting and praying for the Messiah's coming. There's Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, and her sister Martha, who were some of Jesus' closest friends. There's Salome, or Mary Salome, or Mrs. Zebedee. Remember her? James and John's mother. She asked Jesus if her sons could sit at his right and left hand. Then there's Joanna, the wife of Herod's household manager. And, and Susanna. And the Bible says in Luke 8, many others who provided for Jesus and his disciples. It was the women who funded Jesus' mission. There's Lydia, a prominent businesswoman in Philippi and the host to the first church in Europe. 
Priscilla, who worked with her husband Aquila on apostolic teams. Mary, John Mark's mom, who hosted a prayer meeting. Phoebe, who was a deaconess in the Sincrea church. Yodia and Sintichi, who labored right by Paul's side. Nympha, who hosted a church in her house. And Eunice and Lois, who were Timothy's mother and grandmother. And it says, gave and nurtured him his faith. And then there's nameless women in the New Testament. The Samaritan woman who had five husbands and became an evangelist and brought her whole village to Jesus. There's a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician woman who wouldn't keep asking Jesus to heal her daughter. In fact, Jesus said to her, woman, you have such great faith. And then he turned and healed that daughter. And then, of course, there's the woman with the alabaster box of perfume. Jesus said in Matthew 26, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this woman's story will be told. Who were the last ones at the cross and the first ones at the tomb? Women. Who was the first person the resurrected Jesus revealed himself to? A woman. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 1.14 tells us that the 11 apostles, with all of these, were in one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. All this in a culture and a time when women were terribly oppressed and marginalized. In fact, in Jewish culture in that day, a woman could not even testify in a court of law. But God chose them to testify to the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And he places such high value on women. Let's read Genesis chapter 1. You know, maybe you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about this for, Pastor? I'll tell you why I'm talking about this. Because of the incredible degradation against women. Man, this message is as much for you as it is for the women. And I believe the Lord wants to break that demonic control and that demonic conflict of the battle of the sexes and link us together in an incredibly profound and powerful way for Jesus' mission here on planet earth. And I hope you'll see why in just a minute. Let's read Genesis chapter 1. And I need my Bible. Thank you, Randy. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. And then we're going to read verse 31. And then Genesis 2, verse 18. Just five verses. Then God said, let us make man in our image. And when he uses the word man here, it's not the male. It actually means, let us make mankind. Let us make humankind. Or let us make people kind, as our prime minister likes to refer to it. 
Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And again, that's mankind. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31. And God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your living, active, powerful word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who is present here. And we welcome the precious Holy Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity, to bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation to us today. Lord, I pray that you will enlighten our minds. I pray, Lord, that you will empower our hearts, our thinking, our understanding. And Lord, I pray that you will move us to a new place of revelation and action about this whole subject of the value of women and working together. Let your heart be dispersed today in a powerful, profound, healing, restoring, liberating, and freeing way. In Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen. If you want to know how something works, you have to go back to the operator's manual. And the Bible is God's operator's manual for human beings and for all of life, for our relationships, for work, for play, for, for sex, for everything in life. This Bible is God's operator manual for us. And in Genesis 1 and 2, he gives us five truths about women. The first one is women are image bearers of God. Genesis 1 verse 26 and 27 says, he created man in his, or mankind in his own image, male and female, he created them. All women everywhere, regardless of age, stage, education, economic status, color, ethnicity, etc., are equally created in the image of Almighty God as are all men. And notice here, there's only two options for gender. Male and female. Not 52. When we get separated from God, which is what sin is, we end up complicating all of life, confusing it, compromising it. But the Bible says 
There's two options here made in his image, male and female. Every human being from the womb to the grave is an image bearer of Almighty God. An image bearer means we're created in his likeness, in the likeness of God himself. It means we're spirit beings. The essence of who we are is not physical, it's spiritual. We have a spirit, and that spirit will live forever. Either with God in his presence, the Bible tells us, or away from God in a horrible, unthinkable place of eternal punishment and destruction. We're spirit beings, but we also have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. And the book of Hebrews tells us the spirit and the soul is so closely attached, only the word of God can divide between it and bring righteous judgment. Made in the image of God means we're creative beings. We're relational beings. We're made for communion with God, and we're made for community with each other. Right there is identity and worth. Every woman, every girl has infinite value and worth because they are made in God's image. What's the most spectacular sight you've ever seen? Is it the Grand Canyon? Is it the sunset on the Pacific Ocean? Maybe the Rocky Mountains? Maybe the Northern Lights? The most spectacular sight you have ever seen is sitting right next to you. Because we are made in the image of God. So why don't you turn to a neighbor and say, you are spectacular. Now, now listen, we've bought into our culture. We have bought into what's beautiful, what's not, what's right, what's wrong. It's all mixed up. The Bible, the operator's manual tells us from God's perspective, what is beautiful. And he's saying every human being, no matter how homely the world might think they are, no matter how deformed they are, he's saying they are made in the image of God and they're precious, invaluable. The Western pastor, this is a true story, a Western pastor was adopting a little Asian baby girl and he and his wife traveled to this Asian country to pick up this little baby girl. And while they were waiting for various things to take place one day, he took this little baby girl and decided to go across the street to a restaurant and get some lunch. And when he walked in with this baby girl, there were some well-dressed Asian men sitting at a table nearby. And as soon as he walked in, they started pointing at him. And then they started talking in their own language and laughing and pointing. And it just got worse and worse and worse until he felt so uncomfortable. He got up without ordering and he went out across the street back to the adoption agency. And he went into the director and he told her what had just happened. He said, what was going on there? It was horrible. I felt so uncomfortable. I didn't even want to stay. And she said, well, what you need to understand is that little baby girl in this culture is garbage. She's as worthless as a 
plastic, empty, two-liter Coke bottle that's thrown at the side of the road. And those men were laughing at you, a rich Westerner who would come to our country and pay thousands and thousands of dollars to take our garbage away. But Jesus Christ tells us that baby girls are not garbage. They're made. They're made in the image of God. And they're infinitely precious. Women are image bearers. Secondly, women are child bearers. Genesis 1 verse 28, God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. One of the greatest gifts of womanhood is childbearing and child nurturing. It's an incalculable contribution to humankind and to the world. There's no greater privilege than motherhood. Whether you're a natural mother, whether you're an adoptive mother, a fostering mother, whether you're a single mother, there is no greater purpose. Two women were standing in line to get their driver's license renewed. The clerk, obviously a career woman, asked the first lady, do you have a job or are you just a... She said, of course I have a job. I'm a mother. The clerk replied curtly, we don't list mothers. I'll put down housewife. By the time the second lady got to the wicket, the clerk asked, what is your occupation? She didn't know what made her do it, but she heard herself saying, I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. The clerk paused, hands frozen on the computer keys, and asked the second lady to repeat her occupation. The lady repeated the title slowly, emphasizing the most significant words. I am a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. The clerk, with new interest and respect, said, just what do you do in your field? The second lady, coolly, without any fluster in her voice, again heard herself say, I have a continuing program of research in the laboratory and in the field, working for my master's and already have four credits. The job is one of the most demanding in humanities, and I often work 14 hours a day, but the job is more challenging than most run-of-the-mill careers, and the rewards are more satisfying than just the money. The clerk was so impressed. After renewing her license, she, pre- she actually personally escorted the lady to the door. As the mom drove home, buoyed up by her glamorous new career, she was greeted by her four lab assistants, aged 13, 7, and 3. Upstairs, she could hear her new experimental model, a six-month-old baby, in the child development program, testing out a new vocal pattern. You are never just a mother. Come on. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That was written up in a poem by William Wallace in 1865. And he wrote it to praise motherhood as the preeminent force for change in the world. Women are image bearers, and they're child bearers. Three, women are blessed. Verse 28 says, and God blessed them. 
This Hebrew word, bless, barach, it means literally to kneel. And in, when we bless God, it means to bend down on bended knee. But it also means when God blesses us, it symbolizes God bending down to bestow on us his divine favor. As a woman, you have the blessing of God. As a girl, you have the blessing of God. As a female, you have the blessing of God on your life. You have God's divine favor. It causes you to prosper. And what God has blessed, no one can curse. In verse 31 tells us, women are very good. God saw everything he'd made, and behold, it was very good. That word means pleasant, agreeable, excellent. Five times in Genesis 1, as God is creating, after every day he creates, the heavens, the earth, the plants, the animals, he just says, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. But when he creates man and woman, he says it was very good. Fourthly, Women are helpers. Genesis 2 verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. This word helper is the Hebrew word azer. It means to aid or help. It's a profound word. Which applies to God himself. 16 out of 21 references in the Old Testament refer to God as an Azair. Psalm 32, verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help, our Azair, and our shield. Deuteronomy 33, verse 26 says, There is none like God, Ujeshurun, who rides through the heavens, who rides through the heavens to your help, your Azair, through the skies in his majesty. It actually doesn't just mean helper. It means strong helper. And for those ladies who are part of the Blueprints Women's Ministry this past year, you will know all about an Azair. And if you weren't there, and men, you weren't there, we have it on our website. We have all those messages, profound, powerful teaching about the place of women and what an Azair is. I highly recommend uh, you take that in. Well, we have a counterpart in the New Testament. It's the Greek word, parakletos. And it means one called alongside to help. Jesus said in John 14, I'll ask the Father and he will send you another helper. A parakletos. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. But the helper... The Paracletos, the Azair, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. An Azair, a helper, is not some doormat. It's not some kind of subservient, second-class calling. No, it's a divine aiding. It's a divine enabling. It's a, it's a powerful Helping, lifting. 
then it's not just restricted to marriage. It's for every woman. Azair is a high calling, ladies, one that reflects God himself, a strong helper. Now, I have lived with five Azairs. And they have helped me, spoken into my life prophetically. And my wife is a very good Azair. I want to brag about her for a minute. You know we're in an expansion program. And so we're all praying, Lord, how much do you want us to give toward this expansion? So we prayed together, and uh, we, we, we agreed on a figure. And as we continued to pray, we felt the Lord say, I want you to double it. I thought, okay, well, I guess we'll sell our house. And uh, as we prayed about it, and I shared that with Mary, Mary said, I, I, I'm not convinced the Lord wants us to sell our house. I think he wants to provide another way. <laughs> what other way is God going to provide? She said, well, I'm going to ask the Lord. So she went to the Lord, and she said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And she felt the Lord say to her, what do you have in your hand? She said, well... I make good hummus. The Lord said, okay, let's start there. So she said, Ron, I think the Lord wants me to start a business. I said, what? You don't know how to start a business. She said, yeah, I know, but I feel like the Lord wants me to start a business. So she registered it. She paid for it. She got a company name. She did all the stuff, and she started to make hummus, and she started to sell it at farmer's markets, and it took off. A couple of months ago, there was a full-page article in the free press. Some of you may have seen it about Mary and her happy dance hummus. It's in 10 stores across Winnipeg now, and it's just taken off. And I'm standing there going, well, well, well. (laughs) Who knew you were an entrepreneur? No. She's an Azair. Ladies, there are many of you in this congregation this morning who have done similar things. You know the Lord is your strong helper. And oh, what an incredible things can happen when we obediently put our trust in him and let him do through us what he wants to do. Women are helpers. And lastly, Women are co-rulers. Verse 28 says, God says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, the birds, and every living thing that moves. Women are commissioned to take dominion on planet earth together with men. You're commissioned to rule alongside Man in every sphere of your life. And this is actually borne out in the definition Azair. Because an Azair not only means a strong helper, it's also a powerful Hebrew military word. It means warrior. Women are called to be fierce in righteousness and warriors for justice. Two months ago, Pastor Norm, who's in our South Congregation, and I went to Kenya 
for a Salt and Light conference. Salt and Light is our family of churches that we're connected with all around the world. And so we had a big leaders conference in Kenya. And, and we went to Kenya for this conference. This is a great time, wonderful conference. I've told you about it. But what I didn't tell you about was the bus accident we had. We were leaving the resort and we were going to our hotels to preach for the weekend. There were eight of us left on the bus because we were the last stop. And we were driving along this narrow Nairobi street. And suddenly I hear (laughs) down the side of the bus. And I thought, oh, that doesn't sound good. The bus driver stopped. This other car stopped down the road. And then all the traffic on that crowded road stopped. There was horn beeping and everything. And our little, our poor little bus driver was in shock. He jumped out of the bus. And what had happened is this car that was being driven by these two Muslim men who were on their way to the mosque for prayer, their uh, grate, their iron grate on their back light, of their tail light, had clipped this whole side of our bus and just put a huge gouge down the bus and ripped out their iron plate from the back of their light. So all the arguing started. The traffic started honking. The motorcycles were trying to get around. There was for one hour, there was arguing, shouting, confusion. I thought there's a riot going to break out here any minute. And in fact, our bus even got hijacked. Some stranger jumped in the bus driver's seat and drove it uh, about 20 or 30 feet ahead so he could get in his driveway. There was this confusion everywhere. After an hour, the police finally arrived. And the, this poor little bus driver, these, these two guys, they're really going after him. It was all his fault. And we felt so, so sorry for him. We got out of the bus and investigated the accident ourselves because one of the pastors on the bus was a police officer for eight years in traffic investigation. So we took pictures, we lined it up, we got it all, and we came to the conclusion the Muslim guys were in the wrong. All the debris was on our side of the road, and so they were over too far. Anyhow, the policeman wasn't having any of it. These two guys were really blaming this poor guy. He's overwhelmed. And then a green Lexus pulled up. And this little Kenyan woman got out, about 40-ish. She was the owner of the bus company, and she took over. And we're back in the bus now. We're watching this little lady. And she's talking to this big policeman there. And she's talking to these two guys. And everybody's shaking. She's like this. And she's like this. And we thought, we like this lady. (laughs) So we got out of the bus. And we, and, and we started to listen to what was going on. Finally, the police officer said, it, it's the bus driver's fault. I'm leaving. You guys work out the damages. And he disappears. So this lady now... These two guys, they're really going at this lady. It's your fault. We want our whole vehicle painted. She said, I'm not going to paint your whole vehicle. I'll replace the four screws on your light. Look at my bus. My whole three panels are They're going back and forth. But the lady's turned the tide now. She's turned it with reasoning and rationale and intelligence. And she's backing these two guys in. And finally, these two guys get so frustrated and exasperated. One of them says, you're just a woman ruler. She says, you're right, I'm a woman ruler. And I'm not going to repaint your vehicle. I'll give you four screws to put that plate back in. And the guy was so frustrated, he made a remark about her gender. Now, that was not a smart move. This lady 
was so indignant. She said, did you just make a remark about my gender? What's gender got to do with this? Is your car a gender? Is my bus a gender? I don't even want to talk to you. I want the owner of the vehicle. Give me the owner of the vehicle's number. Well, as soon as she said that, everything changed. Because this guy was just the driver, and he was, as a favor to his friend without the owner knowing, he was taking him to the mosque to pray. Well, everything changed at that point. These guys suddenly were, yes, yeah, no, no. And they were, the faces were all kind now. They were shaking hands. She said, look, I'll call the owner. I'll tell him, look, accidents happen. I'll give you, I'll give a word for the driver. I'll speak well of the driver. These things happen. Well, these two guys weren't thankful enough. Thank you so much. They backed away. They drove off. They didn't even get their four screws to put the plate back in. (laughs) I was so proud of that lady. I wanted to hug her. I said, that was awesome. That was awesome. She said, I'm really sorry you had to wait. We'll get you to your hotel. Women are co-rulers with men. Let's refuse to cooperate with the thinking and attitudes in the world today. Let's refuse to line up with anything that contradicts God's word that says every single female is an image bearer of Almighty God, a child bearer, a blessed by God himself, strong helpers, co-rulers with men. Let's get rid of that demonic strategy of the battle of the sexes. Let Jesus and his word renew our thinking, our attitudes, and our motivations towards womanhood. Women, ladies, God wants to affirm your worth and value this morning. And it all begins with Jesus. Jesus is the absolute only way to God. If you're here this morning or you're listening on our YouTube channel, there's never been a definitive moment in your life where you have surrendered to Jesus and invited him to take control of your life. You can do that this morning. And a whole world, a spiritual world, will open up to you. Let's receive the truth, ladies. You are image bearers of God Almighty. Azers, strong helpers, warriors, co-rulers. That means changing our thinking. Let's change it. Men, if you're addicted to pornography, Jesus can absolutely set you free. You are worshiping demonic powers. And we're actually going to have a course this fall. We're going to invite every man, every young person, every guy. So that we can stop degrading image bearers and contributing to this demonic strategy. Man, let's affirm God's vision and value and worth and identity in our daughters and our wives and our mothers and our nieces and all teenage girls and in all women. You may be interested in seeing a movie 
came out last year, 2017. It's an Indian movie. It's an international film with English subtitles. And it's called Dengal. It's an award-winning movie in India. It's a true story of a man who had a dream to be a gold medal winning wrestler. He was a brilliant wrestler. Only economics forced him to go to work and he couldn't realize his dream of having a, a getting, going into the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games and winning a gold medal for India. So he decided that he would give his dream to his son. The problem is he never had any sons. He had four daughters. And he thought his dream was lost. Until one day he came home from work and the next door neighbor with her two sons was in his house and the lady was reaming out his two daughters. Her two sons were all beat up. And the dad looked at the sons and looked at the daughters and he was incredulous. And he apologized for his daughter's behavior. And when the lady and her two sons left, he looked at his daughters. He said, what did you do? They said, well, daddy, he called us bad names. We ignored it. But then he called us a witch. That was it. (laughs) We gave him a beating. And the dad realized wrestling was in his daughter's blood. And his dream was alive again. He thought, I'm going to train these girls to be wrestlers and to win a gold medal for India. So he started training these girls hard. And the girls hated it. But, but because of the respect for them, they were the laughing stock of their village. Nobody had ever had girls wrestling again. It was all boys. And he'd take these girls to the tournament. They absolutely hated it. Until one day, one of their friends said, at least your dad notices you. At least your dad has a dream for your life. At least he has a vision for you. My dad just wants to get rid of me. He just wants to marry me off. Like most girls in India. And the lights went on for these girls. They thought, our daddy has a dream for us. And they became champion. All four of his daughters became champion wrestlers in India. They won gold medals at the Commonwealth Games. And they gave hope to millions and millions of little Indian girls who had no hope. Secondly, man, it's our privilege and responsibility to reflect the heart of Jesus in the way we acknowledge women with respect, esteem, and honor. 1 Timothy 5 says, Entreat, encourage older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. In all purity. Statistics tell us 50% of pastors have some type of moral problem. And if it's 50% of pastors, you know it's probably more in the church. Jesus wants to change that. He wants to free us, deliver us, heal us, set us free of every denigration of females. And thirdly, ladies, we as men appreciate your contribution. You have a crucial, significant part to play in Jesus' mission in the world. Your gifts and graces and your fragrance of Christ is absolutely necessary and invaluable 
to the church. Ladies, who you are in Christ and what you have by the power of the Holy Spirit needs to be activated, stewarded, encouraged, and flourished in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we receive God's grace through you. You and we are co-laborers together with Christ in his mission on planet earth. And we thank God for you and the crucial role you play in God's kingdom. Now, men, I need your help. Or it's going to be a long afternoon for me. I want all the ladies, before you do this, I want to tell you what we're going to do. And then if you want to respond, we, we, we trust that God is going to release something here today. I felt the Lord wanted me to proclaim this message over our church and into the air because he wanted to set something in place today. That's never been set in place before. I have never, ever spoken on this subject other than the South a couple of months ago and now here. But I believe the Lord wants it for what's ahead for us. And so what I want to do is I want to have, if you would like to be prayed for, blessed, prophesied over ladies, I'd like you to stand and I'm going to pray a prayer over us as a church, and then I'm going to invite every man, every young person, every boy who's in the room today, I want you to pray for a woman. That means we probably can't have two men standing with one woman. We just need one. And you think, well, I don't know what to say. Just bless them in the name of Jesus. Just let the Lord Say something through you. Pray some kind of prayer of release and blessing on them. So ladies, if you would like to be prayed for, would you please stand?